message of hope and good news for you. The program today is part of a series of programs called Give Me the Bible with Uncle Len. And we are going to talk today about who is God. Hello, listeners. Happy to be with you again. And I hope you're taking to heart what you've heard. After all, what we've been sharing is a message and hope of hope and good news for you. But it's good news for me as well, and for anyone who's willing to accept it. Those who choose not to accept the good news of God's offer of grace to fallen man will lose out both now and in the hereafter. So don't hold back. There is no reward for being a doubter. There's no reward for being a fence-sitter. Give your allegiance to God. He will not disappoint. Before we deal with today's topic, I want to give you some good advice. Some of you may have known some Christian people and you were disappointed with them. Maybe their lives were at odds with their profession. They might have been unkind or said something which was offensive to you. It's sad when Christians who should know better do things like that. It makes you feel that you'd be better off to disassociate with such people. But my advice is not to look to people. Don't take them as your role models. Look to God. He is to be the centre of your life and he is the only safe role model. Don't give up your faith because of people. They can't save you. They will never be as loving, as kind, as understanding as God is. Fill your life with him. He can save you. In the last program, I mentioned that this week we would try to determine who God is. And that's what we will be dealing with today. For any being to be God, he needs to have a higher state of existence than what we human beings have. That is, he must be supernatural. Many people acknowledge the existence of God, although they vary in uncertainties about who God is. Surprisingly, in our own secular country, a majority of Australians do believe in God. In India, among those of the Hindu religion, they believe in literally thousands of gods. There will be a god for the water, a god for fire, a god for the weather, a god for the trees, a god of fertility, a god for harvest, a god for cattle, 
a God for insects, a God for safe travel, a God for the wind, and so on and on and on. Most Hindu homes have a shrine where the people can pray to the particular God of need and offer sacrifices to it. I sometimes think that these poor people must have a hard time remembering which God they need to pray to for each particular occasion. But the Bible teaches that there is one God, not thousands. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. This is repeated in the New Testament in Mark 12:29. The statement goes like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Ah, well, that's clear enough, isn't it? Yet, there are some things which need to be explained. Most people who accept what is written in the Bible have a mental picture of God as being a senior type individual who has great power and great authority. Jesus, in the Lord's Prayer, calls him Father. The Lord's Prayer is recorded in Mark 6, 9 and in Luke eleven two. It begins like this. Our Father, who art, that's an old word meaning who is, in heaven. Our Father, who is in heaven. The Bible, at the very start, in Genesis, begins with these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then in verse 27, chapter 1 of Genesis, it goes on to say, In regard to the creation of man, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. <clears throat> Good. One God, right? But then... Go back to verse 26 and you'll read this. Then God said, let us make man in our own image, in our likeness, and let them, that's man, rule over the fish of the sea, etc., etc. Did you notice it? God said, let who? Let us. And in whose image did he speak of? It says, our, not my own image. <laughs> Something strange is going on here. First we read of one God, but then when God is speaking, he speaks of himself as plural, not singular. He uses words like us and our. These pronouns are plural, that is, more than one, not singular. Well, 
there are some people who try to explain it this way. They say God really meant that man was made in the image of heavenly beings with he himself as the supreme being. If there were no more information in the Bible about this subject, then that would be a legitimate conclusion to come to. But there are other statements, and we need to look at them properly to understand who God is. One of the things which characterises who God is, is that he is the creator. But who is the creator? <clears throat> now consider these three verses. Let's start near the end of the Bible in Hebrews chapter 1. And we'll begin at verse 2. It says, But in these last days... He, that is God, has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed as heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. And then in verse 8, God talking about his Son, that's Jesus, says this, But about the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last for ever and ever. What's this? God states that Jesus made the universe, the heavens and the earth, and then he goes on to call the Son God. So if God is calling Jesus the Son God, it looks like that means there are two gods. What about the verse we read earlier saying that the Lord our God is one? Do we have a contradiction? Then we have this verse from Colossians 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 16, where in talking about Jesus, the Bible says, For in him were all things created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. And then we need to consider what the Apostle John wrote in his Gospel. John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that, it has, that has been made. So it appears that Jesus the Son, also called the Word, was also creator and is entitled to the claim of being God. Now that seems to be a bit confusing when we consider the statement that the Lord our God is one. Somehow this must be resolved. Otherwise we would be justified in saying that the Bible is confusing. 
Jesus, speaking to the Jews who were looking for a reason to get rid of him because he rattled their cage too often, made a statement that really put them into a frenzy. So much so that straight after he said what he said, they picked up stones with the intention to stone him to death. The reason they gave for their actions was that, according to them, Jesus had committed blasphemy. That is, he claimed to be God. And this is exactly what he said, John 10, verse 30, and John 10, verse 38. I and the Father are one. The Father is in me, and I in the Father. Please stay with us uh, to find more about who is God. Right now, just a break.
before the break, I shared with you the words of Jesus where he said, I and the Father are one. And he also said, The Father is in me, and I in the Father. You remember that statement we had earlier that said, The Lord our God is one? Jesus is here saying that two entities, that's two beings, the Father and the Son, are God. Not God's but are God and are one. Perhaps there is something we have not understood properly about the oneness of God which needs to be uncovered. In the book of Genesis, after God created both man, first man was Adam and woman, first woman was Eve, he made this pronouncement. He said, for this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh, meaning one. Here it means two beings are one. Well, we must understand that one in this context means one unit. So in that sense, it appears that the name God applies to two beings of the same unit, or if you like, the same family or the same team. In the English language, the word one is singular, but it can be applied to a unit composing of more than one party. For example, we speak of a fire brigade, which is a unit made up of various parts or individuals. Similar to this, we could use the word team or family. All these expressions convey the meaning of one, made up of separate components. So far we've seen that God can refer to the Father and the Son but it goes one step further to a third member, the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, there is recorded a short story of what happened in the young Christian church during its early days. The Jews persecuted many of the members of the Christian church, and many Christians had no means of support. Other members who had assets or money gave the money or sold possessions to help support those who could not support themselves. One married couple whose names were Ananias and Sapphira had a piece of land which they sold. They promised the full proceeds of the sale would go towards supporting the needy members. But before they handed the money over, they decided to keep some back for themselves. The money was theirs to give as they pleased, but they had backpedaled on a promise 
they had made earlier. Ananias eventually came to give the money to the apostles and pretended that it was the full amount. But God had revealed to the apostle Peter that it was not the full amount. In verses uh, 3 and 4 of Acts chapter 5, Peter says to Ananias, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied to men, but to God. Peter says Ananias had lied to whom? He says he had lied to God, but he also said he had lied to the Holy Spirit. So did he have one set of lies or two sets of lies? The answer is one set. And the lie was to the Holy Spirit, who was also God. It seems that the Holy Spirit is more of the behind-the-scenes member of what we may call the Godhead. Now, I know that some people like to say that the Holy Spirit is only a special kind of force that goes out from God. But in saying that, they have to ignore several important things. First of all, all the references to the Holy Spirit use personal pronouns such as he or him. If the Holy Spirit was merely a force, the pronoun would be it. This is a strong argument that the Holy Spirit is a personality, a being, part of the Godhead. In John chapter 16, Jesus is telling his disciples that he has to go away, back to heaven. But he would send someone, the Holy Spirit that is, to be their comforter. He said in verse 13, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me. Have you noticed? He, 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 he. Ananias could not lie to a force. If that was the meaning, it would be like saying, Ananias lied to electricity. Of course, that's ridiculous. He could only lie to a being. The Holy Spirit, sometimes referred to as the Holy Ghost, is real, is a being, is a personality, and is God, the third person of the Godhead. The Bible reveals that the word God can refer to one or all 
of the members of the Godhead. There are three members, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, sometimes referred to as the Trinity. All are in total agreement and harmony, but each has a special function that ties in with the others. The names of the individuals of the Godhead are linked together on several occasions in the Scriptures. 2 Corinthians 13.14 says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. They're equal. One other passage, this one from Matthew 28, verse 19. It says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a name. His name is included in the most sacred list of names in existence, the names of God. So God is one, one in purpose, one in character, one in the salvation of lost sinners, all in total agreement, though varying in function. Next week, I would like to share with you what God is like. Be listening, won't you? So this then is Len signing off and wishing you God's blessings and much happiness. And uh, thank you very much for being with us today and listening to these programs. Uh, please uh, um, don't forget that you can contact us and we'll give you these uh, uh, phone numbers during the program. Uh, right now, I will say goodbye with a piece of music. And uh, this is your host, Nick Krita.